Hey guys, my name is Alex, and you're listening to the Thousand Movie Project podcast. Listening, more specifically, to the Year in Review. The Year in Review is basically exactly what it sounds like. It's like Spotify's Year in Review, except unpleasant to listen to. But for now, I wanted to go through the highlights, because on just a little bit of reflection, I realized that 2022, although it was turbulent and unpredictable, and a lot of weird shit happened, it was, I think, very decidedly the best year of my life. Not because there were huge firework occasions of, of success. Um, it was actually pretty stressful from day one. But the thing that stands out mainly is, first of all, right at the beginning of the year, I finished Cuba Fruit, which is a book I'd been working on for a long time. It was the most ambitious thing I had ever done up to that point. And four months into 2022, I signed with my agent. I've been trying to get an agent for almost a decade exactly, and I signed with her right before my birthday. We embarked after that on a revelatory, adventurous, emotional editing process. It was that alone was one of the most riveting experiences of my life. And uh, yeah, it's hard to really quantify what that means to me. I still don't even know what it means to me. But yeah, this thing that I had been pursuing, this, this really intense vote of external validation. Like, I feel like it's one thing if you get published, if a publishing house picks up your book and they're like, okay, you know what? There's something about this. We think we can make a lot of money, so we are going to give you a good chunk of money in exchange for the, the, the rights to release it. But it feels like a very different kind of vote of confidence when an agent, someone who is a literary agent who, who is exhaustively overworked, probably very undercompensated for the amount of work that they do, they look at your manuscript and it's not ready to go. It's not perfect. They know it's going to need a lot of editorial attention from them. That's, that's the editorial attention that it needs before it is then submitted to editors who are going to subject it to like another exhaustive round of editorial attention. They are signing on to your book, not because it's fantastic, but because they see the potential of what it could become. And also, and also there's no guarantee that after they have invested dozens and dozens of hours into helping you strengthen your book, there's no guarantee it's going to sell. So this is a complete stranger who read Cuba Fruit and took a big chance on it, a really big chance. And I don't know, the chance has not paid off on her end. I'm the author, so I can be like, hey, you know what? What a rewarding experience. I really learned a lot. Like if this book doesn't sell, you know, I can just take, I can do like a Mr. Rogers, you know, 90s sitcom happy ending about it. <laughs> My agent just gets kind of screwed if this doesn't fucking sell. But anyways, so that is obviously at the top of the list of just revelatory things, not to diminish the second big thing of 2022, which is moving in with Marie, my girlfriend of now almost two years, a year and eight months, I think. And uh, it's smaller chambers than I had in Little Havana, but it is, um, I didn't realize how unhappy I was living in Little Havana until I moved in here. And it's a Little Havana was the first place, apart from college, it was the first place I lived outside of my childhood home. And it wasn't until I had been here with Marie in Miami Beach in this studio, quiet studio apartment 
for a few weeks before I started to realize, like, oh, it's not normal to wake up to people screaming uh, or, or bottles being thrown from a rooftop into the street, car alarms going off, sirens all night. I mean, I knew in some part of my head that, like, this wasn't normal, that not everybody lived in this kind of environment, but it also, I just got so quickly habituated to it and uh, we'll get into the anyway so that was huge it was great for our relationship i also then embarked on and wrote the entire first draft of the follow-up which is cuba tooth and cuba tooth although i'm sure it will end up being the same size as cuba fruit it is by far the most ambitious thing i've ever attempted and i was it's something that i would not have attempted but for the fact that my agent sharon had this vote of confidence in me. She made me feel good about myself. Yeah, I'm very, I haven't like reread Cuba Tooth. It's gigantic pile. Like I haven't even printed out the first draft. I'm going to do that in January. But as it exists in my head, like my understanding of what I've written, which might be totally off the mark, tends to be, I'm proud of it. Like I would never ever share it with anyone, this rough draft, but I know how grueling it was to get that story down on the page. And I know how many times in that six-month composition process, I was convinced that it would never come to fruition, that I just, I was completely, hopelessly lost in the weeds. But now all the words are down, and um, yeah, I'm very proud of myself for seeing that through to the end. And apart from that, I, not only did I get to interview Don Winslow for the podcast, we, one of my fucking literary heroes, something I didn't talk about at length is I got to meet Don Winslow at Books and Books in Coral Gables, and it wasn't just like a cursory encounter at, at a book signing. Like we like we we hung out, kind of. Like it's a weird thing to fucking talk. It's a weird thing. Like I don't even know how to describe it. Um, and I was such a pig in shit because it was like not only this year did I get an agent, and so it felt like for the first time I had serious professional validation of my abilities. Then I had this opportunity to like sit, two opportunities to sit and talk with one of my literary idols. And one of those was strictly professional, an interview. And then one of them was strictly like nobody looking, nobody's eavesdropping. And we're just, we were just chatting. And it was the sense of like, I was, I felt myself holding my own in both of those conversations. And not just like trying to flex, hey, I know this, I had this insight. And what, look at what a good reader I am and how, much I understand the process. It was more a sense of like, I was very excited to be talking about books and writing and publishing and shit, and my, I could see my own enthusiasm mirrored in this dude who is like considerably older than me. I think he's a little more than twice my age. I mean, a lot of that is attributable to Don Winslow just being like a humble dude, and he didn't like try to flex on me or act like very pompous. He was just like nakedly enthusiastic about his craft, and I was like the same way. That was fucking cool. And also, in 2022, I read more books than I've ever read in my life. Anyways, all that being said, whenever I see or hear someone's year in review, they talk about the good and the bad. They try, everyone tries to make, and I think this is a fucking noble thing, tries to make very encouraging, uplifting, affirming content. So they talk about maybe some of the hardships of the year, but they focus on the good things and they strike a tone of gratitude. Often they're very effusive 
with the word itself. I'm grateful. Gratitude, gratitude, gratitude. I'm so grateful for my family, my spouse, my children, my health. And I am grateful for all those things too. And I'm grateful for the good things that have happened. Because while I am very much appreciative of the fact that the good things that happened to me this year creatively with respect to getting an agent or making the podcast a bit stronger, that was all the byproduct of a lot of work. And I don't say that to be arrogant or like take accountability for the flukes of, you know, good fortune because a lot of luck went into that too. But I worked really hard for this shit. And um, as I'm getting older, I'm realizing and this is going to go part into the resolution bit. I can't let that get taken away. And I do let, I let that get taken away pretty often. What I would say, because it feels more revealing and it ties into a concern about 2023, is that the things that have happened this year, what they've done is they've made me feel hopeful. I've never really been an optimistic person. Um, I've always been a, not, not a glass is half full kind of person. I've been a glass is temporarily unshattered kind of person. I Things have just been going in such a way, um, and I have risen to certain challenges that I've set for myself, and uh, as a result of that, I feel very hopeful going into 2023, and I have certain ambitions, and I have faith in my ability and in my discipline to bring those things to fruition. But the the, the, the way in which there's some friction about that is that when I look back on 2022, one of the biggest shortcut, personal shortcomings, one of the biggest frustrations, the biggest source of what I think I can call a depression of sorts. I'm always reluctant to use that term because I feel like, I don't know, it might be disrespectful to people who suffer like the, the really intense clinical depression where their moods are like, it, it's a chemical imbalance and they are subject to the whims of a chemical malfunction. It might be more appropriate for me to say like, I just succumb to the blues now and then, but it really is like a deep wrenching thing. And it came up hard toward the end of the year because I was not employed, I was trying to find employment, and I was consistently finding myself subject to, and gullible to, scams. I was just realizing that I am incredibly naive. I've done a lot of research about like war and crime, especially over the past couple years, and like revolution and horrible demagogues, and yet, habitually, I find myself in these situations where I I don't, I lose sight of the fact that this person in front of me has no reason to treat me well. Because I, I part of it is because I, I was in a desperate situation trying to get a job, um, that whenever an opportunity reared its head and the person presenting that opportunity was like, oh, well, you're going to get paid very little in the beginning or nothing at all in the beginning. I would take them at their word that this was like a long-term thing. I was reflexively of a mind that people are overwhelmingly honest and they're going to do the right thing. My girlfriend is much savvier than me. And there were a number of, I don't, I cannot count. I, that's a, the number of times this year that I came upon some opportunity, mentioned it to my girlfriend, and she pointed out how it's unbelievably sketchy. And she ended up being right. And I ended up not getting taken advantage of. But especially toward the end of the year when I was like scrambling for work and jumping onto all these job apps, Deliverer and Uber Eats and DoorDash and Amazon Flex and Kite and uh, Tasker from TaskRabbit, Instacart, Instawork, all these weird tutoring things like None of it fucking worked. It was all kind of bullshit. 
and then I got lured out to something that I will talk about on the Patreon. Uh, I got really fucking... I just got lured into doing something that I didn't know... I didn't know what I was doing, and I was being taken advantage of. I put a lot of hours of work into something, and I ended up feeling really fucking stupid. That actually happened twice, but there's one in particular that I'll talk about on Patreon. Anyways, the reason I mention those things is because I realize I am incredibly naive with a lot of these things. The weird byproduct of everything that happened in 2022 is that I find myself on the brink of 2023 feeling simultaneously very hopeful and increasingly jaded. I am resolved to not be so gullible, so naive, going into 2023 as I was this past year. And yet there is some friction there because if you're carrying hope, hope is predicated on a conviction that things will turn out okay. And if you believe that things are going to turn out okay, that they're going to turn out for the best, yes, a lot of that has to do with your faith in yourself and in your partner and whoever is in your immediate orbit. But lurking on the fringes of your conviction that everything is going to go okay is a belief that predatory people are not going to penetrate your circle and take advantage of you. And what I, what has been sort of an embarrassingly revelatory education this past year is realizing how many people are not maybe like foaming at the mouth, befanged predators, but they are, they are content to casually exploit anyone that they can in order to get a dollar, which is a fucking tale as old as time, but it fucking hit me like a truck again and again. It's like the truck kept backing over me because I kept getting up in its way. So how do you do that? How do you go into a new year fostering hope, protecting that hope, while simultaneously divesting yourself of the naive conviction that you can count on all the on the word of people around you. Not like your loved ones, but the people that you engage with professionally. So that is my sort of foremost abstract resolution going into 2023 is to embrace the gratitude I'm currently feeling, preserve the hope that I'm feeling, but also divest myself of a very risky, reflexive, naive trust about all of the opportunities that come my way. But that's a very abstract resolution. Here's some concrete ones. So I'm breaking it down into five things. Number one, I want to finish Cuba Tooth. I want to take it through probably five full drafts. Number two, this is a concrete thing. My friend Elisa has sort of set this up for me in the past and I never took advantage of it. I want to do a podcast episode of just recording a live encounter between myself and a medium or a psychic or a fortune teller, whatever the denomination of predestination, I, I want to record a session with such a person, make that into an episode. Number three, in 2023, I want to have at least five author interviews, along with some interviews with other people. I don't want it to just be about books and the people who write them. I want to expand that and talk with maybe booktubers or people involved in the production, the publication of books, people behind the scenes. Number four, I want to finish what I would, it doesn't have a title. I would, I would, I will call it the Spencer Macbeth story. And I'm only mentioning it here because I want you to hold me accountable for it. When I am done with it, all I'm going to do is put it probably on Patreon. It's probably novella length. It's like, it's a 120 page crime novella thing that I wrote over the past like three months. Yeah, I, I just did the first draft and then I walked away, but I want to 
finish it. I'm only mentioning it here so you can hold me accountable. It's not that sexy. Just want to get it done. And number five, and this one is a little edgy, and this is the one where I feel kind of vulnerable even mentioning it, but as was discussed in a previous episode, I am now like fiendishly pursuing reselling, finding things at thrift stores, garage sales, flea markets, and trying to flip them on eBay or Poshmark or the other one, Mercari. I still don't know how I feel about this space. I've been doing a lot of research on it, mostly casual, like listening to podcasts while I'm driving among places, while I'm thrifting, while I'm walking the dog. And I am learning a lot, navigating these platforms, and so my goal, tentatively, for as long at least as I am committed to doing this, I want to generate $3,000 a month. And from doing this, I want it to be a viable full-time thing. And uh, I realized recently, like, what I hate is not hospitality. I love a restaurant environment. I love working in a restaurant environment. What I hate is having employers and having to show up to a particular place. So not only do I want to be self-employed as an author, obviously, I would like to just do that as a business. It's creative, it's exciting, it gets me away from my desk and out into the world. And yeah, so those are my five resolutions, six if you count the abstract one about naivete. And uh, I want to thank you so much for listening to the podcast this year. Many of you were kind enough, and it's so dizzying because I fucking just, I like, I don't socialize anymore. I never see my friends. I totally neglect my friendships. You have to f cultivate them, but I'm just so fucking, always working in a constant panic to like get things done that I never see anyone. I spend so much time at my desk reading, writing, and recording, and uh, when you're pushing these things out into the world, you tend to forget that there is someone on the other side who's registers taking it in, or you lose hope that there's someone on the other side listening. But a number of you have you know, reached out to me in the beginning of December and sent me your Spotify wrapped and showed me that a Thousand Movie Projects podcast was among your top five most listened to podcasts. And I can't even articulate how that feels. Like, it's not a legion of people. It's not like realizing like, oh, I'm very, very, very popular. It's just knowing like there are people that I've never met in person. Many of you guys have corresponded with via social media, um, a few of us text. But to know that, like, I don't know, these things that I'm not sure if it's interesting at all, but I record it, why do I do that? And I get into the dumps about it sometimes. To be reminded that, like, people are listening is uh, very, very moving. And sometimes disarmingly moving. And I don't know how to deal with it. And I don't respond. And just thank you very much for stopping by. If you've enjoyed the show this year, you can help me out a great deal by giving it a positive review on any of the platforms that you use to hear it, whether Apple or um, Spotify, Stitcher. For the thousandth time, thank you very much, and I'll talk to you again in 2023.